All right, so it looks like I'm just going to rant and rave on this podcast about comings and goings and whatever the case is. COVID's back in the news. That's a fucking astonishing, fantastic thing. It disappeared because of riots and protests because I agree politically with what's going on. But if I disagree politically with what's going on, uh, then then obviously it spreads COVID. So in the exact same breath, uh, media outlets have told you that the, the protests have nothing to do with the spike in COVID cases that you're now seeing. And apparently they're only spiking in Texas, Arizona, and Florida. Not in California. Um, New York, uh, New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey governors got together, and the media is trying to prop them up as the saviors of the republic. Cuomo came out and was admonishing DeSantis for all of his playing politics and everything with what's going on with COVID. Even though Cuomo signed a letter that sent uh, old people, the the elderly back into nursing homes, which are the population that are the ones that are most at risk of this thing. Nothing has changed since March 15th of what we've known. So you know, we all know, like all the bullshit that's going on, this is what you understand or know. You know that it's highly transmissible. 60 to 95% of people um, that get it are asymptomatic. Um, Of those, we'll just call it 80%. So four to five are asymptomatic. Of the one out of five that have symptoms, 95% of those people have some sort of uh, mild reaction to it. 5% of those have some sort of big issue. Um, ventilators apparently don't work. That's bad. Um, hydrochloroquine is a prophylactic, but it has, it does nothing for you, uh, whenever you have a severe case of it. Uh, they're, they're working on steroids, um, and doing that thing. Vaccines are going to be kind of hard to produce because it's a coronavirus. So from everything that I've read or understood, whatever, like going through the, the, uh, the virus in and of itself has weakened, so they're going to have a hard time producing a, vi- a vaccine to it. So steroidal um, or steroid, whatever, whichever steroid that they have uh, is, seems like the best bet when you have a severe case. It's a lightning strike to you if you're under 25 uh, and, and you die from it. Uh, if you're under 60 and you're in good health, it's not a thing for you. If you're over 60, it's a thing. The median death age of COVID is above the median death age. Or the mean death age. My apologies. So the mean death age is higher than the average lifespan of American. I think it's like 82, vice 81. Okay. So knowing all those things and knowing what happens when you lock down the country. And lockdowns don't work, by the way. There's a Wall Street Journal uh, study that basically uh, the states that did not lock down had 75% less, less deaths than those that did. You could probably attribute that to rural versus urban uh, whatever you want to, but lockdowns don't work is basically the point of that whole thing. It's not a mitigation strategy. You can still go back to that old study uh, in New York where people were passing and spreading along disease when they contact traced, when they didn't have any, they didn't move, like they didn't leave their house, and they got, they still got the virus. Um, what was it? <sighs> Wearing masks, you do it to be courteous, but it's like a 30% reduction of effectiveness of transmitting the virus so everybody wants everybody to wear masks fucking whatever it's nice to be courteous but if you don't want to wear a mask you don't have to that's not the country that you live in and that's that whole you 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 part 
Nobody talks about taking supplements, running a 5K, being in good health, not eating like an asshole, and taking personal responsibility for the actions that you did throughout your entire life, and then a pandemic came, and you weren't prepared, so you want everybody else to fucking succeed, secede something, and give up their liberties because you weren't prepared for the moment at hand when it occurred. And that's kind of the where the thought process is. Uh, you have to wear a mask. You have to do these things. It's not because my diet was shitty. It's not because I don't, I'm not in good health. It's not because of anything. We need free health care because... I want to live like a piece of shit, and you have to acquiesce to my needs and demands uh, based on everything. So, uh, the CDC death rate last time I checked was 130,000. Uh, you can make that 150, 110. Uh, there's still doubt or still issues, however you want to look at it. It's st- still a pandemic. It's still an issue. It's still a serious thing. If you get it, you don't want to get it. You don't want. To, you don't want to pass it on to anyone. And so you need to be courteous and do what you think is best to on that whole thing. It's not what everybody else needs to do. And that kind of goes into the whole uh, 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 concept. Like just COVID in general precipitates the other concept where you need to apologize for who you are as a person and you need to do everything that I ask you to do with everything that's going on. Uh, uh, the protests seem to have subsided, so now they're, uh, the, the stuff's up and uh, COVID's back on the fucking forefront. Lock everything down. Uh, and it's just all... It, it just all seems too good to be true. Much like the Bubba Wallace uh, noose incident, too good to be true. He kind of rode that thing for three days um, saying that, oh, fucking, it's, a, it's, an, it's an event. It's a noose event. Uh, I've, I've read five news stories, and all of them are hoaxes. Um, three, three guys killed themselves by, via hanging. Uh, one guy set up gym equipment uh, uh, so people could work out. They got mad at him. And then another one was the Bubba Wallace story. All five nooses, all th- people are just looking for shit. Uh, to do so eh, is what it is uh atlanta shooting uh people walked off the job good for them uh police just have it really bad right now i was listening to joe Schilling on the on the uh on the gre podcast and you know he's kind of talking out his ass it you need police reform right that's a 100 percent certain thing like police need to be reformed but it's not something as simple as be nice be whatever people are going to find out real quick that if, when you defund the police and that's kind of what it means that's exactly what it means use the english words that you say that you want to use so if you say defund the police then you're going to have to become the police yourself like you're going to have to enforce your own private property rights and ensure that other people don't come onto your property and destroy your stuff it's going to be on you it's not going to be on the state or the government to have a police force running around Uh, minneapolis minneapolis voted to disband their police force um, and they hired private security firms fucking obtuse uh the atlanta shooting i heard heard a lot of people insanely defend the fact that rayshard brooks should not have been shot by the cops i think the only two foundational arguments that you can make uh here is should police armed police officers um respond to calls like that vagrancy uh calls great conversation great argument um if you're on the police should not uh respond to it that's a valid argument if you are that police should that's a valid argument too i think people are leaning towards the direction where you don't want police responding to vagrancy issues guy was asleep uh, in the car in the drive-through and then the wendy's called 911 right so the wendy's there was a vagrant on their thing much like the uh, george floyd issue the uh, the business called um that somebody had sold a 20 dollars counterfeit bill and the police responded to it so should the should the armed should armed police officers respond to a $20 bill solicitation issue, right? 
Probably the answer is no to that. So you want some sort of, so should anyone respond? I would say yes, they should, because you don't want vagrancy uh, issues. As I've discussed or talked about in previous podcasts, whatever the less least amount of limit that you're going to allow is what's going to get stolen. So if, if somebody can walk into your small business and steal a thousand uh, bucks without getting uh, arrested, they're going to come in and steal a thousand dollars every day, and that's your operating cost. If we're not going to enforce twenty dollar bill uh, counterfeit stuff, then that's the operating cost that you're going to have. If you're going to allow people to sleep and uh, uh, sit in front of your drive-through, that's that's your operating cost. And I, I thought that drunk driving was bad. There's a whole mothers against drunk driving uh, people that have issues with that and drunk driving is an issue right um so that's that's kind of what started that whole thing so the foundational argument that you have that you could have a great conversation with is do you want armed police showing up to vagrancy or uh, minor petty crime type stuff and if not what is your solution to stopping that problem or process like who are you like if i could lay it on me nobody's really gotten up oh send a social worker okay great um sure great and then you're gonna have social workers get killed like what or get beat up in the face, or people are just not going to fucking listen, or whatever the case is. Uh, police are trained to go plus one. I think a lot of people need to go through shoot-don't-shoot shoot scenarios. They have a better, a better understanding. But also, police need to completely uh, revamp their hiring practices. They should not, uh, shouldn't just be a nine-week course when you begin, and not no retraining, no physical standards, uh, no anything um, at all. Who knows? Um, so... That's the first argument. Should police respond to vagrancy issues? And then uh, Joe Schilling kind of just jumps off to the fact, well, well, nobody wants to get arrested. He did, he did whatever, whatever. It was a 30-minute conversation. 30-minute, it was polite. 30-minute, everything was going on. Um, I think I'd heard that they'd made him drive from the, uh, dri- from the drive-through to the parking lot, which is a no-no. You don't make them do that. Um, and then they wanted to get a breathalyzer. He was compliant and did the breathalyzer thing. Um, so that's another argument. If police come to a situation where somebody's passed out and not a threat, should they attempt to de-escalate, just call the guy an Uber and send him home? Well, some, some would say yes, that's the case. Well, then you incentivize uh, DUIs, right? So are DUIs good or are DUIs bad? Because then you could just pull over to a, on a parking lot, pass out and go to sleep on in a whatever, and you could do it in a drive-through or you could do it in somebody's home or you could do whatever and nobody would have an issue with it because police can't stop that kind of process or police are supposed to be responding to that sort of stuff and do courtesy patrols or courtesy, courtesy turnovers great conversation whatever you want to do um but the police did what they were trained to do they breathalyzed the guy interacted with him and he was on parole that's a whole other conversation uh should how should the parole system be looked at? How should petty crime be looked at? How should the judicial system be looked at? How should the penal system be looked at? Should non-violent drug offenders be penalized and put on parole and given all these sentences and all that other fun stuff? Great conversation to be had. But this is what the cops are trained to do. Um, he popped positive on a breathalyzer, so he had obviously had a DUI and he was on parole. So the the, the answer to this is clear. He needs to go in and be processed and for a parole violation and for DUI. So the officers know this, and so that's that's what's going to happen. So you come willingly or you don't come willingly, and that's how they're trained. So he came willingly. The second that they try to slap the cuffs on him, um, he resists arrest and fights and does whatever. Big scuffle ensues on the ground, 
and now you can't use or should you use chokeholds or submission holds so there's a, a big conversation between what what's the difference between a choke hold and a submission hold choke is like you're literally going for the trachea trying to kill uh, submission or suppression hold is you're basically the, doing the rear naked choke uh, placing the guy's uh, center of his neck inside of your uh, elbow and then squeezing until the uh, uh, carotid arteries lo- and the guy loses consciousness you see it all the time in the UFC and cops should be trained jujitsu and be able to scramble on the ground and have fights. The sad reality is most aren't. Uh, Rayshard Brooks overpowered two officers, took a taser from another one, and uh, after they tried to use the taser on him, took a taser and then uh, detached from the situation and began to run. So now the officer's thinking through himself, like that's a whole other conversation piece. Uh, again, officer's thinking, okay, um, there's, there may or may not be a shot left in the, in the taser. If the, if he shoots that taser and it hits me and I'm knocked incapacitated, what stops him from taking my gun and shooting me in the face or killing me? All right. This happened to a Massachusetts police officer in 2016. That's what's going through the officer's mind. And he doesn't quite know what is, how many taser shots are left. Uh, some people are arguing that it's a two shot taser. Some that is arguing that's a three shot taser taser. It was d- discharged twice. So there could or may or may not, may not have been one. Can you reasonably expect an, an officer to know that there was a shot left in the taser? Can you reasonably expect an officer to receive a taser blast and still defend himself and go through that thing? I think the answer to that is no. Like, you can't expect the officer to know that, and you can't expect an officer to get tased. Like, it, it's just not something that you can do. If you can, then you can't have policing. Like, you can't have people running around doing policing. So the guy was running away with a taser. Uh, he turned around pointed the taser at the officer, and so knowing that, knowing that the officer does not know how many shots are left in it, and knowing that the officer, or having a reasonable assumption that the officer does not know how many shots are there, and having a reasonable assumption that you cannot expect, or reasonable expectation that you cannot expect an officer to take a taser shot and continue uh, disrupting or doing whatever uh, with the thing, then deadly force is authorized, because officers have an inherent right of self-defense, and they have the right to defend others. So the Richard Brooks has proved without a reasonable doubt or beyond a reasonable doubt that he's willing to do whatever is necessary to stop the fact that uh, uh, he's not going to jail. Like he's not going to, he's not going to be apprehended. He's not going to jail. So if the officer doesn't stop the situation there, like any, the the world's your oyster. There's any amount of decision trees that go on. He could just run off into the thing. He could give himself up later. No issues. He could also run into uh, traffic, uh, stop somebody, pull them out of their car, tase them, uh, or take them hostage or whatever. Like you could think the worst case scenario, you could think the best case scenario. And that's a great, that's another conversation point as well. Um, should the officer shoot when, uh, that is the case? So I say yes, because you cannot expect an officer to take a taser shot because as the DA has said in Atlanta, that fucking idiot, uh, he said two weeks before he charged the officer that shot Rayshard Brooks with murder, that uh, tasers were a deadly weapon. So are they or aren't they? Um, I don't. I don't think t- using a taser is deadly force, even though it could result in cardiac arrest. I don't think taser is deadly force, but it can in- incapacitate you, and that's the key point. Taser, you can be inca- incapacitated by a taser. So if you are, then what stops him from going? Well, there's another officer there. All right, whatever. I mean, sure, but now it's one on one, and what's the o- other officer supposed to do? Right? So you've already, if the other officer's there and he shoots the taser and incapacitates the, uh, the primary officer that fired the shots, what is the second officer supposed to do? 
let him run away. Or if he turns around and approaches the his buddy, he can't shoot him until he puts his hand on the weapon or what. And then you can't like you can't defend yourself. Like you have no inherent right of self defense. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think Joe Schilling was talking at his ass. I listened for the listen to the first half. I'll listen to the second half of the stuff uh, after this. But uh, that was me rambling. Uh, I'm gonna ramble on some more after this transition music. I love the movie Idiocracy. So I'm just going to sweep through uh, some, I guess, news outlets, news cuts, and, and go through and give you my thoughts on each of the things. Newsweek posted two articles. Um, first title, No Evidence Black Lives Matter Protests Cause COVID-19. And the second one was Oklahoma Reports Highest Ever Daily COVID-19 Cases After a Trump Rally. In the same fucking breath. So your news at work. Um, fucking... In and out is garbage or trash. Uh, as I said, wear masks if you think you should. If not, somebody brought up a real good point. Um, if you should wear your mask even if you don't need it, then why can't you carry a gun if you, even if you don't need it? Nah. Uh, Nike lost $790 million. Uh, CEO and Nike, they're going to do layoffs. Good for them. Like, power of the purse, speaking. Fantastic. I already talked about Minneapolis Security Council who voted to disband the police. They hire a private... Uh, Security firm on the taxpayer dime. Fucking morons. The If you get rid of the police, if you don't... Like, I understand and respect the reform the police desire and attitude. And my, I guess my main question is, what was wrong March 14th, 2020? Like, what, what was the big problem? People are all accepting about everything that's going on. No statistical uh, uh, discount or whatever. You can go to... You can point an anecdotal bullshit all day. But no statistical analysis says that the complete that police are racist. Police brutality, eh? Maybe. I mean, you get uh, you get some over stuff. I haven't seen any statistics uh, for or against. The one statistic that I have seen is that there are 375 million interactions with the police, and then all this other fun stuff that you go on. So, of 375 million interactions, 10 unarmed black people were shot, and 21 unarmed white people. Like. That's the statistics they go with. They don't really go with the police brutality or excessive use of force. Everybody's met a dickhead cop. Um, so should those dickhead cops still be in, in service or uh, transitioning through? All for the conversations. Um, all for the conversations. Not for the tearing down or defunding the police. So if you come out with a defund the police, you need to be fucking excised. Like you're gone. Like you're out of the conversation. Because what's going to happen is crime's just going to skyrocket. Harlem went all crazy. Chicago went fucking nuts. Baltimore, I'm sure, is going, having a great old time. And what I mean up for the conversation is that we should go and utilize the system that we have in place to pass laws. Like, if you want to tear down Confederate statue, statues, fucking the mob should not run around and tear down statues, just any, any and all statues, because the logical end of what is happening is happening. They go after, they want to tear down Jesus statues, they want to rip down uh, fucking every statue, they want to blow up Mount Rushmore, all that bullshit. If the mob is allowed to control and you're allowed to use violence to get what you want, there's no stopping that. Uh, BLM leaders on Fox... And CNN, well, if, uh, if fucking society doesn't give us what we want, we're just going to tear this shit down. And that's the basic attack of the whole BLM movement 
And the, this movement in general is just to attack systems, tear down systems, and any system doesn't matter. The uh, pol police is just the tip of the iceberg is shit that I've heard. Um, but that's it doesn't stop anywhere. It stops nowhere. It doesn't stop with the police. It doesn't stop with the penal system. It doesn't stop with judicial system. It doesn't stop with the military. I saw an article on that, that the military is systemically racist and it needs to be torn down. Um, and, and there's no arguing. Like, there's no talking. So... People have to understand what is the point. So uh, one of the conversations I had is you, you shouldn't be preemptive. Uh, Peterson talks about this later on in the podcast that I have. Um, yeah, use free speech and understand that people are individuals and that there are very few radicals. The mob is insane, yes, um, and the mob should not be allowed to rule overall. And we've had a bunch of cowards, basically lack of principled leadership, not leading us anywhere, just kind of stepping back and letting all this shit happen. And where's the, where's the stopping point? Eventually, a counter mob is going to fucking step up. If leaders in the government, which that's a whole other conversation in and of itself, leaders in the government don't step up and handle the situation peaceably or with some sort of soft force or whatever, then yeah, some sort of counter mob is going to show up and there's going to be blood on the streets, and that's what's going to happen. Like that's where we're headed. Uh, and it's sad that that's the case, but a mob is running around the streets saying, tear down all the systems, America's racist, tear it all down. And that's their ultimate goal. Like, that's what's going on. Uh, yeah, and Facebook and Twitter are fucking helping support that shit. Uh, censoring everybody. Uh, uh, Facebook is getting demonetized, essentially, because a couple of, a couple of companies are bowing down to the wills of the leftist mob, and they're pulling their advertising dollars from Facebook. Uh, all right, great. Uh, Twitter's just out and out. So they fuck it, we're left. Uh, Facebook fact checkers are all Democratic. Uh, used to be in the Democrat DNC. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, here's Andrew Schultz. Uh, great, fucking funniest guy on the internet right now, at least as it goes to COVID. I'll let him uh, wax poetically a lot better than I did. He talks about uh, Sean King and uh, his stupidity. Jesus Christ. Watch out, because Sean King is coming. This week, transracial civil rights activist Sean King, or as some of you know him, Talcum X, tried to cancel the most hateful, violent, evil, racist of them all. Jesus? Yeah. Shamrock Obama tried to take down the King of Kings, the white one specifically. Unfortunately for him, he's 2,000 years later, what's commonly referred to as CPT. Pale Sharpton tweeted, the statues of the white European Jesus should come down. They are a form of white supremacy and always have been. First of all, for someone who crucifies white people for a living, I assume he appreciate the imagery. Secondly, he kind of has a point. Certain groups have used Christianity to oppress people, slave traders, the KKK, jewelers. But white Jesus is always a form of white supremacy. Martin Luther Cream, what the fuck are you talking about? Sean says, in the Bible, when Jesus wanted to hide, he went to Egypt, not Denmark. That is true. Probably because Denmark didn't exist, but I think the brilliant revelation Thurgood Marshmallow was trying to make is that Jesus wasn't white. Hey, Sean, no shit. He was from Nazareth, a.k.a. Palestine, a.k.a. future Israel. He looked more like Osama bin Laden than Jared Leto. You know why Jesus had to walk on water? Because the TSA wouldn't let him through. Here's an accurate mock-up of Jesus. He looks like quarantine DJ Khaled. I don't know if that's the son of God, but I know for certain he has white sauce hot sauce. So, Sean is technically white. I mean, right. 
Europeans did transform the image of Jesus to make him look like he owns a gay cupcake shop. Obviously, he wasn't some bearded, long-haired white guy. Whoa, Chris, you spooked me there, is what those girls said. But did they make Jesus white to oppress minorities? No, they did it to convert white people. Turns out, you can get way more followers if the people you represent think you're one of them. You know what I mean, Sean? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. If that's the case, other cultures would have done it too. And you know what? They did. All of them. Jesus gets contextualized by every culture he goes to. Check this out. Here's Asian Jesus looking sad because he'll never live up to his parents' expectations. Here's Ethiopian Jesus taking fashion trips from Nancy Pelosi. Here's Indian Jesus who's just regular Jesus with four arms. How the fuck did they crucify him? Here's gay Jesus. Yeah, RuPaul. And Ru knows exactly where he got the drag race from. Look, Jesus reflects whatever culture he's in. So caucus Garvey, I don't understand why you're coming at white Jesus specifically. If anything, white Jesus should be coming at you. You stole his whole business model. Present yourself as a different race to attract more followers. Collect donations with shady accounting and tell everyone that the white guy that raised you isn't your real dad. At least white Jesus had the decency to cover for his mom. Look, Sean. I 100% agree that people have used Jesus to do fucked up shit, but to claim that every white Jesus is white supremacy is just dumb. Real white supremacy is occupying land that isn't yours, segregating it, naming it Chaz. Also, Chaz? That doesn't sound like a socialist utopia. It sounds like a lacrosse player you wouldn't leave around your sister. The first depictions of white Jesus are almost 1,800 years old. No. I said almost 1,800 years old. Go away, Chris. Long before modern race relations even existed. It was so long ago, white people were still enslaving white people. Imagine how shitty that soul food was. I agree. A church in Africa doesn't need some Coachella mushroom dealer Jesus. So how about instead of canceling white Jesus, we make more black Jesus? Instead of destroying the stained glass, we just add more stain. Now look, I'm not going to discredit Sean King completely. He does more for social justice than me. And he actually brings attention to some really important issues, but this one, he's doing too much. First of all, who is Snow J. Simpson even talking to? People that don't want to remove Confederate statues are not even going to think about removing white Jesus. It actually works against Black Lives Matter, because now the detractors can honestly say, first they'll tear down the Confederates, and then they'll tear down Jesus. Secondly, it's confusing. You're comparing images of racist, treasonous people with the epitome of hope, compassion, and love. In this case, it seems like W.E.B. DeBlonde wants attention more than he wants change. Listen, Rose Parks, you've dedicated your life to fighting for people's constitutional rights. Freedom of religion is one of those rights. So you should encourage people to worship any version of Jesus they want, even Jewish Jesus. That's just Jesus. <sighs> you know what this week has been? A massive overcorrection from Chaz Dork's cancel in America to Justin Bieber being falsely accused of sexual assault. The internet mob is swift brutal and doesn't give a fuck about the truth if the lie is more interesting. And you know what? That's what we get. We solely communicate through platforms that are built for information, not investigation. I don't see too many memes about context or nuance out there. And how can you even get nuance in 280 characters? How can we expect real conversation and dialogue on an Instagram post? These platforms are great for a lot of things, but they've created a major issue. The speed of allegation is so much faster than the speed of investigation. And don't get me wrong. We should listen to allegations when they come up, but we must also listen to the rebuttal with the same intensity. I mean, we're at a place where people are guilty until proven innocent. And even if they're vindicated, the apology is always much quieter than the accusation. So if you keep canceling people, be careful, because as soon as you step out of line, they're coming for your ass and there will be no forgiveness. Lucky for you, Sean, you know who does forgive?
after waiting for two hours and now getting two minutes, I'll get right to the point. Uh, this board is pretending that for the last three months, your emperor, Dr. Levin, has not been against a mask declaration. Now, all of a sudden, we're pretending that masks are everything, even forcing speakers to use masks. I would like the board to take a position. Was Dr. Levin wrong for those three months? And if he was this wrong, why has he not been removed? Why has he not been fired for being so catastrophically wrong? Or do you not really believe he was wrong? You're just wearing these masks because it is a signal of your great virtue. Damn! Damn. Because for the last three months, we have not worn them. And Ventura County has done outstandingly well and continues to do outstandingly well because we are not Los Angeles. We are not New York City. We never were going to be any of those things. Ironically, this is one of the few things Dr. Levin was actually right about. He has been wrong about everything. He is the one who told us we would have four to 600 hospitalizations a day. He, he, he revised that to two to 400 a day. We still haven't reached that in one day. We're barely over 200 for the entire ordeal that you guys have put us through. We now have panicked over 51 total hospitalizations in a county with eight hospitals. Can you people do math? Can you please do basic math and understand where we are on this? This is not a crisis. You, however, have created one. You, in an effort to try to prevent all death, when we've had 43 deaths, have now ended all relevant life. And you should all be ashamed of yourselves. And this will never be forgotten, ever be forgotten. You will all be held accountable eventually, in this life or the next. You all better hope there is no hell, because when you die, that's where you're going. And guess what? You're not going to be dying of COVID either. Thank you. So yeah, I can't stress this enough. Even though I know the numbers in Texas, the numbers are going back up, right? So all the they've increased testing, but there's a huge spike in numbers. And just want to drill, drill this point home. It's definitely not because of the mass protest that happened, but it's definitely because there was a rally held in Oklahoma. So, and you can't contact trace in New Jersey or New York. You can't ask them if they were at a rally in order to find out what's going on. So all the writings on the wall, do not buy into the bullshit. Do not do it. You need to take precautions for yourself, but under no circumstances you accept another lockdown because fucking we will continue into tyranny and, and continue just to fucking discombobulate and all that other, other fun shit. Lockdowns do not work. There's no statistical anything to do with the lockdowns. It just doesn't do it. Um, hospitalization rates are at the same rate that they were in Texas at the same time last year. Uh, ICUs are typically uh, 80 to 60% uh, full at all times. So all that bullshit that you hear uh, going through. It's not to say that they can't be overrun or they can't do issues or whatever the case is and why they're not standing up field hospitals or doing all that shit if that is in fact the case. Uh, fucking talk to your, like, fucking why not? Like, why not? Uh, I digress. In the 1960s, a man named Mao uh, Zedong told young people in China that a nation had suffered because of rich landowners and the bourgeois capitalist. Those words were used to put a target on the back of anyone who owned anything, literally. If you were prospering and you were poor, then it was unfair and action was required. He organized the youth into groups they called the Red Guards to bring about social justice. They were empowered to take on any action that they wanted against the adults around them. So they destroyed or stole property and put them on public platforms to be beaten with sticks. They created a humiliating, humiliating punishment called the airplane 
in which the tortured soul's arms were pulled straight behind the body, swept like jet wings, and then they were took clippers and cut the hair off to scalp uh, with viciousness that left the victim bloodied. The wrath spread to an any that the mob wanted to target. So not surprisingly, they beat their own teachers, destroyed schools. Anyone of influence was viewed as a threat to the new social order and purged. Religious and cultural relics were destroyed. All of this was part of the plan to destroy the four olds. Old ideas, old customs, old culture, and old habits. Society collapsed from the chaos and pain, all carried out in the name of socioeconomic purification. It had to be done. Mao, sighed, Mao smiled approvingly, submitting the power via these young agents of terror. The great proletariat cultural revolution that began in 1966 ultimately resulted in an estimated 1.5 million deaths and the banishment of 20 million more to rural areas in poverty. In the end, the people of China were left powerless and the state grew to the all-powerful communist regime that we know today. The one that disappears journalists, doctors, professors, ethnic and religious minorities, and anyone else who exercises unapproved speech. And the poor are still poor. And here we are in 2020 with mobs ravaging business owners, owners somewhere along the way in years past the voices of insurrection found and collected disenfranchised youths and whispered in their collective ears in a way that wouldn't make Mao smile. They heard the messages of unfairness, of social injustice, and it resonated to them. Their anger was built at an explosive level. And then sudden spark, the catalyst that fathers of anarchy had been waiting for. This, they tell them, is the time. Go out and inflict pain to achieve justice. Tear down and destroy, loot and burn. Make the privileged kneel and confess their sins. Do it with righteous vengeance to any who have more than you or who dare to defy your power. Tear down symbols of the past, enforce limits on speech. A new day has come. You, the youth of America, are the key, and so they have. Ultimately, they will be discarded, just as they were in China. The puppet masters will have achieved their goal. The dismantling of the American olds, individual liberty, and the system of capitalism. The state will rule with the supreme authority, free to the limitations of the old outdated constitution for the sake of new ideals. The mob will have served its purpose, and the poor will still be poor. Uh... Yeah, the Chaz Economic Zone, that was hilarious. Uh, the funniest thing out of that one, with all the extortion, shooting, looting, rioting, and everything like that, uh, I think it's still kind of up. The mayor went out and talked with the Chaz people and said, hey, you get three more days. And now the, the Chazers went over to the mayor's house and started protesting there. I don't know if they're setting up another autonomous zone. All hilarity, all funny. Uh, but the funniest thing I'd heard out of it is that uh, even though Chaz was put down here, we're gonna Chaz exists in our hearts, and that wasn't really Chaz. That wasn't the utopia that we promised. We didn't get our true shot or opportunity because all those crazy Americans ruined it for us. Uh, fucking hilarious. Uh, CDC admitted that a coronavirus may have infected a whopping ten times more Americans than previously thought. So when, uh, as I've stated many times before. The number of infected people in America is probably in the 50 million range, not the 5 million range. Uh, so that the uh, death rate is 0.1 to 0.3. Um, uh, death of those that become infected with it could even be lower, could be higher, but that's my guess of what's going on. It's a lightning strike if you're under 25. If you're under 60 and healthy, you're good to go. If you're over 60 or you have a pre-existing condition of some sort, you need to watch out. Like you need to need to pay much fucking attention to it. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know, like lockdown is not, no, no lockdown. Uh, two guys got arrested after shooting each other, taking turns with wearing armor. I don't know why they got arrested. That's fucking hilarious. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. Ba -da -ba. 
ba -da -ba. Yeah, another report going there. Ba -ba -ba. Ba -ba -ba. I don't know. Who knows, man? Who knows? I guess that's it. Maybe that's it of the podcast. Yeah, maybe. This will be a short one. I'm trying to figure this out still. I don't know. I'm not mailing it in. Not mailing it in. I've been running a lot. That's been good. Um, back to the gym. That, that gym opened up. I'll never forsake the gym again. Getting on a, a six-day tear. Today i got to run five miles. I ran five miles yesterday. The goals are to get 40 minutes at five miles. Still a fat piece of shit. Um, up at uh, trying to work my way down so I can celebrate when I hit a specific goal. I'm too embarrassed to even say what my weight is. Uh, but I'm not fucking, not as fat as I fucking was a couple of weeks ago, but still a fat fuck. Uh, children are doing fantastic. Um, we're surviving. Hope you guys are surviving too. Enjoy the podcast. Love it. Live it. Lean it. Lerve it. L it. Yeet. Well, first of all, the first observation is a really interesting one because you know that things can go out of hand very, very rapidly. And the reason they do that is because of positive feedback loops. Now, the thing that Kurzweil talks about is a positive feedback loop. An intelligent machine makes another intelligent machine that makes another intelligent machine. And that's a positive feedback loop. And that can spiral upwards out of control very rapidly. And that's what polarization is. It's like, I tap you, you tap me. I slap you, you punch me. Well, up it goes. Well, I think that's partly why in the New Testament, for example, there's an injunction that says, uh, turn the other cheek, resist not evil. Why? Because otherwise you get into a positive feedback loop and then you better look the hell out. And things can tilt very, very rapidly. I mean, all you have to do, look at what happened in World War I. No one expected that. It was like one, one relatively minor member, I think, of the aristocracy, if I remember correctly, was assassinated in one minor little country. It's like, bang! Everything fell apart, and that's positive feedback loops, right? And so that's what we're in right now, and we've got to be, and that's a really chaotic time, and so I would say, maintain self-control, and don't aim to win. Aim at peace, because winning, that's, that's not peace. It's better to aim for peace. You know, I've got this talk coming up on November 11th. I'm quite worried about it because I know there's going to be protesters there and that they've been emboldened by the fact that they shut the talk down before. And I want to make a video, I'll probably do it tomorrow, telling everyone that comes to that meeting to, like, watch their bloody step and stay out of the gutter. Because you just... We're at, we're at, we're at a point now where... Under the wrong circumstances, if the wrong person does the wrong thing, that the consequences will be very great. Now, we can't predict which action is going to precipitate that, and or even if that will happen. But it's chaotic enough so that it could happen. So, you know, so govern yourselves accordingly. Now, the problem is, is that there are people who would be happy if there was blood running in the street. They're the same sort of people that shoot up high schools or kill innocent, you know, elementary school kids just to show what they're made of and what they believe. And that's a big problem. But for the rest of us, like, hopefully calmer heads can prevail. And so it really is important not to win. It's like fighting with your wife. 
You don't win. You can't, because you have to live with her. You can't win. But maybe you can solve the problem and bring about peace. And so you've got to practice doing that. Practice restraint. And remember, too, that these the people that you're talking about who are radical leftists, is most of the time they're not. Like they're 95% like you. And if you pull them out of the mob, they're just like your, your neighbor's 19-year-old kid who's kind of clueless and rebellious, right? And who you might even like. You put them in the mob, it's a whole different thing. And so you've you got to remember that too. Out of fear of social isolation. It's kind of how they're acting out, you say. No, it's just that they're possessed by these ideas, but, but only partially, you know. You hardly find a full-blooded, absolutely committed, radical leftist activist, you know. Like, there are some, but not very many. Most of it is just fragmentary behavior. And you have to remember that. Like, when the students come out to protest me, was the case particularly at McMaster. I have to remember, these kids, they're not much different than my kids. They are when they're in a stupid mob behind a hammer and sickle flag, you know, but, but, but you don't want to make a low resolution, homogenous representation of them. And so, and so you, that's why, again, I think instead of winning, you turn to your own development, you turn to your own development, you, do what you can to stop doing the things that you're doing that aren't good. Because you're not going to hurt anybody if you do that. All you're going to do is help. and Otherwise, you'll participate in this polarization. And that's, unless you want that, and, you know, there's a dark part of people that, it's part of the part that voted for Trump, would like to burn things to the ground. It's like to help. I could certainly understand that sentiment. So, we have to be careful. And all of you people who are here, who are advocates of free speech and who are theoretically happy to come hear me speak, it's like, I really do believe it. I truly believe this. And this is something I learned in part, part from Solzhenitsyn and in part from Jung, is that the way that you set the world straight is by constraining the malevolence in your own heart. And that's no joke, man. That's no easy thing. And that's a good voyage for people to go on if they want something difficult and worthwhile to do.
Yes, this is kind of like a hidden track at the uh, end of a podcast or whatever the case is. Just one parting thought to deal with. You can't do have the great songs, the, the, the two outro uh, pieces that are at, when you're at each other's throats and dealing with stupid bullshit. Things were the way they were for a reason, for right or for wrong, and I say for right. Um, every system has its problems, but not to the effect that they're doing. It's going to be at your doorstep someday. The way this is headed, it's coming to your doorstep. So just be prepared for when it does. I'm not saying go out and seek uh, problems when they go through, but pre- but prepare yourself. Um, I guess that's the only thing I can say. So, all right, that's about it. Enjoy. <laughs>